This is your Fighting Weight with Jay Adams, learning from others who have crushed it physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, and spiritually, and have made their fighting weight. Well, you know, a lot of us get into health and fitness due to a personal challenge with our own health, and today's guest is no different. He has a great story of health recovery. Dr. Brian Clement found himself quite a bit run down and substantially overweight as a youth in New Jersey. And through a process of learning the importance and power of a vegetarian lifestyle, lost 120 pounds, felt fantastic, and never looked back. Now owner and co-director of Hippocrates Health Institute, changing and saving lives on a daily basis in West Palm Beach, Florida. Thank you so much for being with us, Dr. Clement. I am personally honored. Good to be with you. Yeah. I'm personally honored that you you said yes. Um, I followed your work for a long time. You're the real deal. Um, You get... You get some really battered people coming to the Institute and you're, you're turning them around. Um, but before we get into those stories, uh, you're not just preaching the raw vegetarian health lifestyle. You've been living it for a long time. Tell us about your health challenges and how you discovered vegetarianism. Uh, when I was a boy, uh, all a man had to do is either act like John Wayne or Clint Eastwood. So if you notice my hairdo, it was Clint. <laughs> Bottom line is uh, overeating wasn't considered anything wrong. As a matter of fact, as I got heavier and heavier, my family and friends called me big. And big for a man in that generation was the equation of strength. Now, little, little did I recognize or acknowledge the fact it was getting weaker and weaker and fatter and fatter. I perceived to my own mind, sick mind at that point, this is strength coming out. And uh, here I met a guy who was really weird. Actually, to be candid with you, I thought he was a homosexual because he didn't eat meat. And he basically uh, said to me, you know, eating meat's a bad thing and, and, and it's not a healthy thing. Now, everything I was taught, and remember, by this point, I was formally at university being taught the exact opposite of what this guy did. He also did yoga. I never heard of yoga. I never, I couldn't say the word for like six months. What are you kidding me? Yoga, you know? And he would stand on his head and twist his body. I thought he was the weirdest character I ever met. But when he would make the food, he was my girlfriend's best friend's boyfriend who was 30, we're about 20. He wasn't around, my other buddies weren't around. And I'd say to my girlfriend, let's make some of that food. And I would like to tell you it was a taste of the food I liked, but it wasn't. It was what that food made me feel like. And with one fell swoop because of his influence and that of my girlfriend, of course, men always think we are independent thinkers, but our ladies often, thank God wisely, lead us into the right direction. Uh, I chose to give all of that up as much as I loved it. I mean, I love the worst meat you can imagine. If they had kibasi that was soaked in butter and fried for three days, I would have been the first in line to get it. <laughs> one fell swoop, gave it all up. Lost very rapidly 120 pounds. Recognized that dairy food was equally bad for us. Now, this goes against the grain of everything that's being taught at the highest levels of nutrition today in the beginning of the 21st century. It goes against everything that is being taught everywhere in the Western world, and they're wrong. And I'm here to tell you they're wrong. And not only did I personally lose 120 pounds and become who I always was, a compassionate, nice guy. And I wasn't a very nice guy when I was fat. I was angry and pissed off all of the time. And I wanted to fight all of the time. And I was 
when you want to fight and you're blaming others, it's because you hate yourself. Mm. And taking the layers of deception off me, the layers of pounds, which are really uh, examples of my self-loathing, I came to that heart that's who we all are. Mm. And that's where the real strength is. Mm. It's not talking big and being tough. It's expressing transparently what you feel. I was really lucky at that point. I was sort of captured by a mentor who was a, a woman from New York, and uh, she was a Jewish gal that decades before had reversed cancer, stage four cancer, on a plant-based diet. And she would always yell, you know, when you grow up in the New York area to get, get noticed, because there's millions of people there, people yell, hello, how are you doing? She'd say. And she would say to me, what's wrong with you? You got to do this work. And I said, what work? And she said, the work, you got to teach people how to eat this stuff. And I didn't know what I was going to do or how I did it, but when I got out of school, I started to teach this. And if five people would show up at one of my lectures, I was elated. I, I think I cry on the way home. I mean, five people wanted to listen to me. And frankly, I didn't know that much. But I seemingly knew a lot more than the average person in the population who was being conned by the corporations that want to sell you the garbage. And... Before you know it, 10 people showed up in 20, and, and I read this really weird book that was the weirdest book I ever read on health called Be Your Own Doctor. Now, one thing I didn't know at that point in my early days in my 20s is that you could actually be, and not only could, but should be your own doctor. I said, well, gee, if you really get sick, you've got to go to a doctor no matter what. Now, I'm not saying there's not a time and a place for a doctor, but we exaggerate, overdo it, completely go bonkers on it. If we, if we really analyze this, billions of dollars are being spent unnecessarily because people could handle almost everything themselves. Now, when you need a doctor is for the diagnostics and for the emergency stuff. But once you have certain diseases like cancer or diabetes or heart disease, you better get the diagnosis and run like hell. Because the resolution for that is always the same. You notice 12 years of education and all they know how to do. They could have learned this in a weekend program, to be honest. They grab a pad like this. They don't look at you. And they write down the name of a drug that you cannot describe. So that seemingly makes them intelligent because they can say the word and you can't. It's unbelievable. And so I meet this. I read this book called Be Your Own Doctor. And I, at that point, really delved into this more, and I was on fast. Uh, I even went one step further than eating. I stopped eating and started to get healthy. And I went to visit this crazy woman who had this crazy place that started in the 1950s, the first of its kind in the world, in Boston, on Commonwealth and Exeter Street, called Ann Wigmore. And Ann had a remarkable story, much better than mine. She actually, in 1952, was told by the Harvard doctors, now this was not the junior college doctors, this was the top doctors, if not in the world, certainly in the United States and Canada, that you have 90 days to live. You have advanced metastasized colon cancer. Get your affairs in order and go home. Now, the good news for her and us and everyone listening hopefully today is that she grew up in Europe as a peasant. And her grandmom, her surrogate grandmom actually, was a village doctor. Now doctors, believe it or not, and the intellectuals won't get this, it's too simple for you, but doctors, believe it or not, only used natural medicine, food, and love a hundred years ago and before. 
And most doctors were not formally trained as we are today, and they didn't have prescription pads. They didn't even know what a pad was to write a prescription then. And so she watched grandmom in war-torn Europe mend people's legs and arms back on with herbs and food and love and care. And she said, well, I don't want to die. She was only a 50-year-old young woman at that point and went home and adopted a diet that she imagined was what grandmom would have done, took herbs, and within a matter of two and a half, three years, reversed catastrophic stage four cancer that the Harvard doctors told her she had three months to live from. Now, the good news for all of us, she didn't know what she couldn't do. Now, a lot of you listening today are listening to this because you're lost, confused, and you don't have any values, and you're trying to get strength by listening intellectually. Give up the intellectual crap. You've got to get strength from doing something. Act and find out your true self and challenge yourself to the things. And don't say it's hard and it's extreme. What's extreme is not being in control of your life. She took control of her life. And she basically said, I've got to open an institute. Now, where was she? Well, you know Boston. She was in the shadows of Boston College, Tufts University, MIT, in the shadows, Harvard University. I mean, on and on it went. The institutions of science globally, she's in the shadows of, and brings people in and says, you've got to give up animal-based foods. You've got to be positive in your mind. The most important thing, you've got to get rid of the negativity. And you've got to start to believe you have a purpose and a reason. I call it the PP. If you don't get the PP, personal passion, none of this works. Mm -hmm. And she taught that. And I go to visit this woman, and she asks me to work at Hippocrates. Now, I had no intent. By the way, I was with my wife at that point. Uh, going to the west coast to Oregon, we were going to open a health center on the Oregon coast. It was going to be a casual and a counterculture type of place. I would have had fun, you know, walking and hiking and all this <laughs> yeah. stuff. And Boston was snowing and raining <laughs> and cold and dark. And I said, what the hell? I don't want to be in Boston. And, you know, I'm not one of these uh, mystical guys that hear voices, but I did hear a voice from my heart and soul that night. And I went back very reluctantly and said, I'll do this with the anticipation I may do it and see how it works out. And that was it. It got me. Because at Hippocrates in those early days, 95% uh, of who came were dying. They were, like her, told they had days, weeks, or months to live. And I was watching as a youngster with limited knowledge and certainly very, very little experience, people recover from lifestyle. And that has permanently affected me for the rest of my life. Before you know it, they said, well, you're a good talker, you're Irish, and uh, get up and talk to the people. And then they realized it was even uh, good enough to go out and put in front of people, not perfect, but good enough. And they sent me to Europe, and I went over there and spent three and a half years and directed centers and brought the living food, uh, the plant-based living food message back where it came from in recent times. and. Uh, when I came back in 1980, they asked me to, to assume the directorship. And I said, I'm willing to do that under one condition. None of us can really tell scientifically why people are reversing multiple sclerosis and Parkinson's disease and Lou Gehrig's disease and uh, Alzheimer's disease and cancers of all type and easy things like heart disease. It's really only 3% of the time a disease and type 2 diabetes, which is 100% of the time not a disease. It's a lifestyle choice, both of those. And basically, I said, we have to figure out why this is happening. 
And they granted me that, and I stuck to my guns. And in my tenure now of almost 35 years, this is my 34th year as director, uh, we moved, uh, because I finally realized it was that cold and snowy in Boston, about three decades ago, down here to West Palm Beach. Uh, we now are always filled with guests, we don't call them patients, uh, guests from all over the world. We have 18 countries represented here in the 120 guests we have in the program now. And I've watched in my uh, 43 years of work uh, tens of thousands of people. And listen to what I say, people, and challenge what I say. And don't even believe what I say. Challenge what I say. Tens of thousands of people reverse stage 3 and stage 4 diseases. And if anyone would like to have an argument with me on that, let's get back on here and do it. Why don't you bring one of these brainhead professors from the great universities who say it's impossible. And they'll talk about philosophy and theology, and I'll give statistics, facts, and introduce them to people who reverse brain cancer, liver cancer. And the list goes on and on and on. Not because it's easy, but as Jack Kennedy said, because it's hard. It's hard <laughs> Speaking to of change a lifestyle. It's hard to do this. And that's why most of you wussies out there who are listening to this, thinking you want to become men and macho and strong and tough, aren't man enough to do it. Because you got to change everything you've ever been taught and believed in your entire damn life, as I did. I mean, I had to say, a man doesn't mean neat. A man means transparent truth. A man doesn't mean, you know, spitting, cursing, and having the hairdo of John Wayne or my good friend Clint Eastwood. But the reality is, it has to be who you really are on a genuine basis. And you can't pretend, you know, the thing is, you can't pretend to yourself. After a while, it stinks. And you start to feel ugly about who you are. And you eat more and you drink and you smoke dope and all of this crap that people do today. And the reality is it's because we're lost and we're confused. Wow, so powerful. You, you, you touched upon so many powerful subjects there. Um, you know, this, this leads us to our – there was a couple things I was going to say before I said this. But because of the way you led into this, I think this is a good time to, to bring this up because – as you know, um, you know, the paleo diet has become a popular diet as of late. Um, and there's a lot of kind of heavy hitters uh, getting on board. Um, it's become a, a very popular nutritional protocol. And, you know, one of their tenets is that fat is not only okay, but fat is actually good for you. And they're speaking about animal fat in particular. So there seems to be a good amount of science that they're bringing to the fore. And there seems to be some heavyweights getting on board, some PhDs, some MDs. Um, there seems to be strong science on both sides of the argument. So for the average person at home, it's, things are getting pretty confusing. Well, I, I wouldn't say there's strong science on the end of uh, meat and dairy. As a matter of fact, there are tsunamis of science uh, that actually are the nemesis of that false myth that we're now discussing. Uh, and I don't want to break this down over the next 10 hours, but I'll try to be as concise as I can be. The first thing we do know is that meat and dairy contribute to cancer, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, and every other major disease known to man. And there is global consistent research pouring out on a daily basis to support this. Number two, if you look at one of my colleagues, Dr. Michael Greger, and you can access him by Googling him, uh, he pretty much has abandoned his medical practice 
uh, to be a research junkie and collect all this research that hundreds and thousands of studies come out yearly compared to one or two philosophical studies that come out on this. Now let me tell you why they're entrapped in this. Because most people, as bright as we believe we are, as educated as we seem to be, are not that smart. Because common sense isn't taught. It's inherently uh, contained or developed by a person. And where they're saying that a lot of non-meat diet items are not good for you, I agree with. So rather than say bread is bad for you, potatoes are bad for you, pasta is bad for you, sugar is bad for you, avoid that and eat plant-based food that is high in protein, high in vitamins, high in minerals, high in essential fats, high in everything that we absolutely need, they say, well, if all of the other things that the average person eats, then meat is bad, then the only alternative we have is to eat meat and dairy. Time magazine just recently on their front cover talked about, we got it wrong on butter. Now we didn't get it wrong on butter. Nobody would ever disagree that butter contributes directly to the major diseases that are crippling us, both individually, uh, societally, and let's go one step more, economically. Uh, we see it here and have seen it here in a clinical setting for 60 years. Now, a lot of these philosophers and not so well-educated people who, as you pointed out, are jumping on board, unlike Hippocrates, uh, who is the only institution in the history of humanity, by the way, in the entire history of the human race, has done clinical research for 60 years on people. Now, we don't sit here and just give people nice food and throw flowers around and think we have a really great program going on. We not only do blood tests and analysis at the beginning of their stay, but the end, and listen to this. For the rest of their entire life for free, we counsel them. So when they have the two blood tests, and now they go back to Stockholm, Sweden, or to Los Angeles, California, or to Miami, Florida, they basically periodically are sending back blood tests, scans, medical reports. Our medical team here evaluates them, and we have this data and statistical analysis all placed here in files. So now the more legitimate end of healthcare, uh, some of the better doctors who are serious about not reinventing the wheel, because we've created the wheel here, come to us. So we're right now in a study with the University of California to show that genetics have absolutely nothing to do with cancer. Uh, we're now in August starting a study with the uh, prestigious German uh, university. Uh, we did a study not long ago with Washington University, St. Louis, and so between Dr. Greger's work, the work we're doing here, the future published studies, sadly this paleo diet is, is blowing in the wind and just like in America you'll see these become popular in six, eight months. The guy who wrote the book doesn't see patients, isn't a statistician, isn't a clinician, uh, you know, he has a great, he's a, like an exercise guy and thinks it feels great at 28 years old to run around and eat meat uh, and give up, you know, a popcorn and give up pasta. Well, I tell you to give up pop, popcorn and pasta, but not replace it with disease-causing flesh of an animal or the milk from another species. Weird thing. Yeah, you know, um, what you're saying here is, I, I believe, is being corroborated by um, the, the latest issue of... Uh, Nutrition Action, which is a, a prestigious uh, magazine, and 
they decided to really find out if these were new findings or shaky science. They interviewed uh, Martin Catan, who is an emeritus professor of nutrition at the, I can't pronounce it, your wife would be able to pronounce it, it's V-R-I-J-E, University in Amsterdam. He's a world-renowned expert on diet and cardiovascular disease whose pioneering research helped document the harm caused by trans fat. He's a member of the Royal Netherlands Academy of Arts and Sciences, and Katan spoke to uh, Nutrition Action's Bonnie Lieberman. And, I, you know, I, you would do so much a better job explaining this, but the, the essence of it is that the science is not there for uh, especially for saturated fat that, that they're now eating butter and saturated fat saturated fat every time is bad for your heart it's bad. I mean, just I'll give one little story that most people don't have they're not afforded the respect to learn this to give an example when I say diabetes most people think sugar now notice that when you look at diabetic type 2 people the mass majority of them are overweight or obese or morbidly obese. Now, how diabetes happens is you take something like a butter or a steak or a chicken that has actually more fat than a steak does, and you put enough of that fat, saturated animal fat in the body, it surrounds the human cell. Now, as you know, the human cell, one of the most important fuels for it is glucose, sugar. But if I have around the cell fats, it's no different than if you want to eat, you're hungry, but I put tape over your mouth. The sugar cannot go in and be burned up by the cell at that point. It remains in the bloodstream, and in medicine we call that blood sugar. That's how people end up with diabetes. And so, you know, this pop culture ideology, just what book sells is the latest, greatest thing, and even the not-so-well-educated alternative doctor community marches like you know crazy people in the direction of the bridge you know I don't buy this I sit here consistently year after year decade after decade doing really clean clinical research I can introduce your listeners to thousands and thousands of people who have not eaten meat not eaten dairy embraced an organic plant-based diet and they're strong another thing we're talking about disease and prevention of disease how about all the Olympic athletes we've trained you know, like uh, when, when we trained Venus Williams, how about that? When she was literally told she had five years to live, stop playing tennis. Now, they told one of the two most important tennis players in the history, female tennis, in the history of humanity. You can't play, and by the way, you're going to die. She came here, sat in my office at the end of the life transformation program with tears in her eyes and said to me, this is a big, strong woman. I mean, I work out. She made me look like a wuss <laughs> she, with tears in her eyes and said, I went to the top doctors, the top trainers, and they told me the opposite of what you're telling me. And I already feel a difference. Well, she lost massive amounts of weight. She went back months after she left here, won for the United States of America, Wimbledon, mm. and also won the Olympics for the United States, all within about a month and a half period there in England. And to top it all off, She's now out telling people not to listen to the status quo, not to listen to the latest, most popular thing. We train bodybuilders. We train fighters. There's nobody we don't train, but there's not too many with enough sense not to go along with the program. You know, keep going along with the program. The channel is going to be closed down pretty quick. I'll tell you that.
Yeah, I think what this really boils down to is is the science. And do you want clean pipes or do you want clogged pipes? Um, and you, there's the science is is unquestionable that saturated fat is clogs up the clogs up gums up the works, if you will. And you know that's uh, clean pipes are what give you your energy. You know you get that oxygen to the and the cells are breathing well and it's circulation. Everything well, about we, life we, is circulation. We know what we call this. We call this junk science checkbook science and we think it was written from the dr atkins playbook you know dr atkins was a friend of mine many of you may know he was a first proponent of a heavy meat diet and his excuse for that or defense of it was that people lose weight when they go on a meat diet now let me explain at temporary time you do lose weight when you give up pastas breads and potatoes french fries candy bars so the reason people lost weight is not because of the meat, but the long-term studies that were done at McGill University, uh, uh, UCLA, uh, Tufts University, showed that within a year they not only gained their weight back, but they gained more weight back. And then one unique study actually looked at the incidence of cancer and heart disease that this brought on. But that playbook was what a lot of these people use and publishers use because that money-making playbook says tell people what they want to hear so big fat guys like I used to be smoking cigarettes and eating nothing but animal-based food and junk and french fries and God knows what else it would have been great for me if I didn't have to change and was told by some doctor some prestigious guy with a stethoscope around his neck hey what you're doing is right and by the way do more that makes money and what I tell is hard for people to do because this is the opposite of what you want to do. Yeah, it's like you're you're uh, you're telling, and that that I think uh, really speaks uh, speaks a lot about uh, your level of commitment to it, how long you've been doing it, and the fact that you're not trying to win a popularity contest and you're not trying to go out and sell 10 million books. You're just saving lives. You know, you've got the statistics, and I have a ton of friends in the paleo community, and I. Um, Played with it. I played around with it some myself. I self-tested. I self-test everything. I'm I'm, an, I'm a walking experiment, and that's really what you're challenging. You 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 laid the you put the gauntlet down early. You said, look, I challenge you. Don't trust me. Don't don't accept anything I'm saying as truth. Go and test yourself. Go get your blood panels, and try all the different protocols. Do your own blood work and see which one. Um, you know, one of the things that I think is so powerful about what you guys are doing is you're getting the people who are battered, the people who they're sending home. Uh, they've already done the protocol, the radiation, the chemo, the drugs. And, you know, they're, it's so confusing that when they give them this carcinogenic chemo that they're getting different cancers. <laughs> it's like, well, why? Let's stop there. Most of the people don't understand that. Every bag of chemotherapy that every person takes everywhere in the world has written on the bag that this causes cancer. Mm. How many of you knew that? It's mm. <laughs> crazy. So keep going. I didn't want to stop. No, it. I mean it's 1800s technology. You know, it's 1800s technology, and that's really like, do you want to get treated by the 1800s or do you want to step into the 21st century? That's really what it comes down to. And the testimonials are there. You know, you've got the testimonials, and you've got more importantly the science. It's not hearsay. It's it's scientific. There's a movie out. You've probably seen this movie doctor um it's called the forbidden cures uh yes yeah it's yes. a wonderful movie because the the author does he doesn't 
talk about anything other than the science. All he does is he shows the medical panels from beginning to end of the movie. He shows the cures for the different things, and he shows how each person who came up with these different cures was squelched. Each yes. one was squelched, and they were attacked, and, and big money was, uh, was leveled at them. There was one guy who could play ball, though. His name was Huxley. And he oh, was yes. a big oil guy in Texas, so he had the money to play ball with the big boys. Exactly. He did not care anymore about anything because now he was saving lives and he felt like his life had purpose. Was getting fulfilled. You know, that's yeah. what we're all here for, to find our passion, PP. PP, <laughs> and he found his PP. <laughs> and he didn't care any – if he spent his fortune, he didn't care about reputation because they were dragging him through the mud. He didn't care. He was about saving lives. And he fought the big boys, and he went on TV and had national time. I think he bought the time, and he went on national television, and he said, they're trying to stop me right now. I challenge everybody to come here. I challenge these guys who are trying to stop me to come here and do their own tests. And if the tests don't work out, if the, the numbers come out wrong, I'll be the first to shut down. But if I am curing people, you've got to get behind me and help me. And not one company... Not one medical establishment, not one pharmaceutical establishment took him up on his offer. He challenged yeah. him on television. You know, it, it's sad. Look, at, I'm, I'm a free enterprise guy, and I'm sure you are. You know, I think it works because people put effort in and they get reward. But where I'm a flaming socialist is in healthcare. I mean, I'm going to tell you that right now. I think that if you're poor or rich, you should be uh, not only able to take any form of health care that you want. If you decide to whistle Dixie and swing around from a, a rope on the ceiling, why should anyone stop you from doing that? We talk about the freedom we have in a country like the United States. We'll prove it because you're talking now about history and fact. People like the Gersons, what they've been through over the years, etc. And what you've got to understand is that what should be sacred is health. Not that we profit from sickness. To me, you have so many other things you can profit from and knock yourself out. Free enterprise is a good system. But the fact is, we, why do we profit from pain and suffering and death and demise? This should be the one holy area. This should be the sacred area for a civil society it would be. Now, there are some that are close to that, but the evil empire, the corporate interest, has so ingrained themselves in countries with economic benefit that it's hard even in those countries where they encourage natural health care and they encourage responsibility. We don't need a health care system, we need a self-care system. And if we could start teaching our children from a young age how to do the things that pre pre prevent the disease, prevent the premature aging. You know, we have a whole group of people that come here, the Hollywood set, to prevent premature aging because if you're going to reverse disease and prevent disease, why wouldn't you stay younger any longer? And the fact is, we can look at this, and why should this be monitored, and why should it be prevented? In a free country, we should be promoting this. As a matter of fact, they should pay all of us to get on national TV and help to save the lives of the citizens of the United States. Yeah, exactly. And you know what I just realized while you were saying that is that we've got a backward system that through moneyed interest allows a structure that we have to prove something isn't dangerous rather than them having to prove something is safe. So yeah. I look at uh, a perfect example, my father-in-law, wonderful gentleman, honorable, very high integrity. He's a conservative MD. 
and there's not a chance in heck we could bring this conversation up with him. He would be the first shutdown. He's been in radiation, nuclear medicine his whole life. And I look at it and I realize that it is a paradigm shift that needs to take place and to even open up the, the door a little bit to what we're saying is so threatening to so many people because they have vested interest in their re own reality. It's a, whether it's a financial interest that's a vested or it's a spiritual investment or a psychological investment, there's an investment in their own reality. And what we're saying rocks the very foundation but let's go to the core of it. Let's look at an oncologist. And, you know, I know probably about 2,000 doctors casually, most of them which are very mainstream and conservative, or, you know, well. And why this happens is imagine you're a bright person. Now, nobody goes to 12 years of medical school unless they have a level of intellect that allows that to happen. So you have really bright young women, young men that say at 18, uh, I want to do something because I watched my grandmother die or my father have a heart attack. I promise you it's for the right intent. I promise it. I don't think an 18-year-old sits there and has the maturity to say, I'm going to make a lot of money, so I want to go to school 12 years. Forget it. Drop out of high school. Go to Wall Street if you want to make money. Forget becoming a doctor. And doctors don't make that much unless they're specialists anyway. So what happens, <clears throat> now they get out. And let's imagine you saw your mother, grandmother, and the guy down the street die of cancer and you choose to be an oncologist and you practice for five years now at the end of five years the statistics for bright people cannot be hidden because the statistics are that over 90 percent of the people that are medically treated for cancer the cancer will return and they will die from cancer so that means at minimum nine out of ten times that this woman or man who's dedicated and really has the right intent and most likely has integrity and works really hard, maybe they're working 60, 80 hours a week, literally now know that what they've just spent 12 years of education, five or 10 years of practice really isn't working. And then you come to that critical point, they're probably 35 or 40 years old, do I quit, do I learn something else, or do I continue? And the real figurative crap hits the fan then because very few of them walk away, even, well, not even fewer, but very few also choose to learn more adjunct knowledge to help people with this. And then you have the rare bird that basically tells the truth. You know, and I know a handful of those oncologists. So your father-in-law, I don't question that he did this for the right reason and that he has himself believing that he's helping people because what you do and I do, if every day we went to work, or you listening out there, if every day you went to work, what you achieved at the end of the day, somebody walked in and ripped up or knocked the hell out of or threw away or flushed down the toilet, mm -hmm. you couldn't possibly continue to do that work unless you created a mental facade for yourself to get yourself to believe in your own lies, to get yourself to be deceived by what's really happening in front of you. So that's the core of the problem there. And Years ago, we had an interesting conversation right in this office where a woman came here with liver cancer, reversed it, and she whispered to me at, in graduation, every week, as you know, we have a formal graduation to honor the guests who come from all over the world with diseases and come to prevent premature aging and healthy and unhealthy people come. And she whispered and said, my father, my, not my father, excuse me, my husband used to be the dean of the medical school 
And he came a year later with her, and we sat right again in this office. And I said, I just want to, he said, you saved my wife's life. I don't know how this happened. I don't understand it, but just thank you. I want to shake your hand. Anything I can do for you? So I said, okay, answer one question. As a deal, did you meet with other deans? He said, oh, all the time. He said, we would get together for conferences. I said, is there a plan that you break a doctor's mind in a certain way? He said, oh, yeah, that's 101. He said, in residency, we do that. So this robotic type of a activity you see quite often from the physician who has a hard time looking at you is in part from the first thing I said, the A part of this, and the second thing, there was an intent to almost make an adherence from this profession. And it's really hard for these people to change. Uh, years and For years, you may remember him. I had a wonderful oncologist who was actually given a full scholarship to Johns Hopkins, graduated at the top of his class, and uh, got in a major accident and could no longer be a radiological oncologist. Now, a radiological oncologist is the smartest of the oncologists. And he was running a department in a very large uh, Pennsylvania hospital. And after the accident, he sat around as a young man in his 40s, twiddling his thumbs, and somebody finally said, you know, Hippocrates needs a medical doctor. Why don't you see them? He knew nothing about this. But he was a good man. He was a really good man. So we brought him in, we trained him, and he worked with me for more than 10 years here. And the third year, a very quiet Italian-American guy from New York, and the third year he came in and cried like a baby in my office and said, I can't think about all the people I harmed before I knew what I knew now. Mm. And I hugged him and I said, but you didn't know better. And I brought him back to why. He said, my aunt died. I was really, my aunt was like my second mother. And when I was a little boy, I said to myself, I have to help that situation. I, I have to become a doctor. He was the first one in his family that ever went to medical school. His brother and he were the first people that ever went to college. They were blue-collar workers. He was a good man. And it took him three years of doing what he felt guilty about what he did in the past. I said, forgive yourself. This is the system we have. It's not you're a bad person, not the doctor's a bad person, or everyone's just out to make money. The system's broken. It's a system that depends upon you getting sick. It's a system that depends upon you getting old and becoming decrepit. And your entire whole democracy in the United States and worldwide around Europe, etc., depends upon you consuming. And if you don't consume, you don't drink the poison water out of the poison well of corporate interest today, you're not well loved at this point. So that's why what we say today may be shocking to people, but there's a reason for it. I'm a rational guy. I don't think they're all bad people and we're all good people. I think it's not that cut and dry. Wow. That uh, is such a powerful story about your uh, MD that you brought in. And it's, um, you know, it's, it's a razor's edge moment that we all face. And that is, will you be honest self-reflection you know the 12-step program is a really powerful program and they have one with, with honest you take an assessment you look inside you take honest assessment and you know where have you been screwing up and where are you strong and are you going for your you know i i extrapolate that out to are you doing what you're here to do and uh, it doesn't no, it again, uh, goes back to pp yes it does yeah First that is question. the that is the uh, I am so coming down to to your institute, by the way. I always want to throw that in, throw that in there. I've been there a million times. I love it. But I'm going to do an extended program down there. Um, you, you really speak to me just, you know, just who you are and 
what you've given to the program. Anyone who, um, by the way, let me, for people who just tuned in, uh, we are talking to Dr. Brian Clement. He is the founder and co-director of Hippocrates Health Institute in West Palm Beach. And uh, he takes, uh, he's kind of like the Statue of Liberty, you know, give me your battered and give me your sick. <laughs> give me the people who have, you know, gotten beaten up by life. And in this case, he takes the people who have been beaten up by radiation, chemo and drugs uh, and have been beaten down spiritually, emotionally. Uh, it's it's a, a holistic program in the total sense of the word. And it's not just a physical program. It's the place itself is gorgeous. Um, how many acres are you on now? Uh, the last time I was there, you had all these new buildings. It is awesome. We have 50 acres now. And, uh, you know, we, we strive to be uh, a five-star, you know. And we, I have an approach here called the Robin Hood approach where we have some of the poorest people in the world come here on scholarships and some of the richest people in the world. And as a guy that grew up in a working family, I'm never going to change that. Under my directorship, this is not going to be an elitist place. So any of you listening out there that need to come here and you're sincere and you're not trying to pull punches on us, you can apply for scholarships. And those of you that are rich, you should come here and deposit money because we use them for good things to spread this worldwide. You know, I just got back from a month tour of Europe lecturing. Uh, soon I'm going to be over in your area. Next weekend I'm going to be in Sarasota and actually at the zoo on Saturday in Tampa. Oh my and gosh. The whole West Coast, that's the 17th and 18th of, of this month. And, you know, I'm on this relentless mission to, to, to tell truth to people. That's all I can say to you. And let me say this to you. There's other ways. You know, we have a short time, and, you know, you and I get talking, two Irish guys talking. This <laughs> five days straight. And then we say, okay, let's start phase two. You know, so, but, uh, Three years ago, I realized that someday, even I am not going to be here. And a very smart guy, my partner in this, uh, we have, he's very well off, and I don't need anything more in my life. And we created a website called TheRealTruthAboutHealth.com. TheRealTruthAboutHealth.com. And there's me railing on every subject you can imagine, 150 hours on there. And not only me, it's not the Brian Clemens show, we bring other truth tellers on you know the head scientist who used to be with the clinton administration uh you know the top doctor that shows eating meat and dairy is the number one way we're destroying the environment on the planet earth and when you t listen to these people these are not people you say well that was an interesting talk you're changed permanently for the rest of your life when you hear this because that's how factual and heartfelt and honest it is and we also now have yearly um conferences the first we did in in long island two years ago where there's 21 hours in me that you can get on the real truth about health and Dr. Anna Maria for free and see us speaking on different subjects. Then this year in New York City in Times Square, the first days of 2014, we brought in several truth tellers and that's free. You can sit and watch it. This next year we plan in Orlando, Florida, a totally free nine day conference. Mm. It's gonna to be totally free. We're gonna stream worldwide totally free wow. and we're going to bring only truth tellers in wow. and so we want to create an army of sensible people who really want to change the world i'm working now uh, with dr esselstein dr campbell to create the world's first legitimate medical school and the country of lithuania literally is saying yes that it looks like within two to three years a person from anywhere in the world can go to lithuania and in english 
get a medical degree. So we're not just having pads of prescription, but lifestyle changes. Wow. Lifestyle changes will be on that. And this is going to happen. Wow. And the curriculum now is starting with Dr. Deal and Dr. Campbell and Hippocrates. Uh, and then number two, uh, just to, to make a point about what people can see. Um, what we did just two nights ago is that my wife and I are alarmed about the statistics with autism and hold your horses. In the United States, our CDC, Center for Disease Control, tell us that one out of 10,000 people in 1983 had autism that were born. One out of 10,000. The statistic today is approximately one out of 50. Whew. This is the worst plague in human history with any disease. And statistically moving at that rate, it seems to us there'll be practically no child born without some level of autism in the near future. Uh, we talk about statistics. In the beginning of the 20th century, a handful of people had cancer. More than half of you listening to me today and worldwide are going to get cancer of some type in your life. Say uh, that again. Part, that, that, bears, yeah. that bears repeating. Yeah. 50%, over 50% of people in Europe, North America, all over the world, Asia now, because you're adopting our lifestyle, you're going to have cancer of some type in your life. Uh, heart disease is still the number one killer, but cancer is starting to replace it. The first country, by the way, was Canada. Canada was the first country in the world that was distinguished uh, to displace heart attacks and strokes as the killer for cancer. That happened in 2008. It, either this year or next year, the United States is going to join that fold. And other countries in Europe, like, like Ireland, are coming close to that, etc. Uh, diabetes type 2 is rocketing at such a rate that two out of three people that contract what I was taught long ago to be adult onset diabetes are children. So it's no longer adult onset diabetes, it's type 2 because it used to take us 40, 50 years of living horribly to get it. Now at 5 and 10 years old, people are getting it. And I'll repeat again, two out of three people in Europe and the United States contracting diabetes are children, people mm -hmm. below 21 years old. And this is, I mean, you know, and on and on. And multiple sclerosis is skyrocketing. And, and Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS's, and MS's, and my generation, the baby boom generation, do you realize that they predict conservatively, not liberally, conservatively, that 25% of us are going to get Alzheimer's, not dementia. That means millions of us. That's how many, we were the baby boom, lots of us, worldwide. That means 25% of us will not know who our wife, our husband, our children, or our grandchildren are. And if this doesn't alarm you, and if you want to listen to the status quo and keep doing the old things, the paleo diet and eating the sugar and drinking the booze and taking the dope and sitting around and doing all the foolish things that cause these outrageous, alarming, frightening statistics, knock yourself out because I want to get you out of the way. Clean your ass off the planet because I want you all to croak so that there's normal, healthy people here, basically, that we can take life back. We can have some semblance of normality here. I mean, this is insanity. At its, and nobody, how come I'm talking about this? And how come this shocks a lot of your listeners? How, they say, well, if this was true, a doctor would tell me. Or if this was true, it would be on television. Who the hell do you think runs? Look at the commercials. Ah, who do you think? Thanks for yeah. television. <laughs> right, right. Why isn't this on television? Who owns the TV stations? <laughs> I'll give you a story. You got me going now. <laughs>
Regis Philbin, you know, remember Regis Philbin? I remember Regis. Yeah, pretty, pretty nice. He had the most popular daytime show for years. And his producer came here about 20 years ago, 15, 20 years ago. And she got so excited because in the group she was in, there were two people that healed cancer, one person that uh, heart disease went away after 30 years of it. Now, I forget, there were a number of people. And she said, well, you've got to get on. You know, doctor, you've got to get on there. And Regis will love you because he's a health nut. And, all, and I got all excited, naively. And I was preparing, and what am I going to say? And what clothes am I going to wear? And my <laughs> wife was excited. <laughs> and a week before, a week before I was going to be on national, the region, millions of people listening to the message I've been giving for 43 years, he calls me and says, I'm sorry, I didn't know the sponsors. Oh. Existent. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, do you realize that they send in men? He didn't say hit men, but that's what he meant. And if there are people on the guest list that they don't approve of, you're not on the show. Whoa. Yeah. How many of you remember that really famous, wonderful American, the richest woman in America, she may still be, called Oprah Winfrey, when she had a man on that showed that mad cow disease was here in America. It wasn't only England, it was here in America. This goes back again 15 years ago, maybe more. And she said one thing, on one show, one time, in one hour show. I'm not gonna eat hamburgers. You know who sued her? The cattle organizations. They dragged her down to Texas, put her through years of grueling, grueling lawsuits in the Texas system. And she met Dr. Philbin. He got up and testified for her. She won, but that took so much out of her, she said, one time to my good friend, uh, now past friend, Coretta King, I'll never say another word that's controversial again. I can't endure that. Although I won, it took everything out of me. Wow. This is what happens. Oprah Winfrey, we're not talking about a Mary wimp. down yeah. the street. Yeah, me. yeah, you're not talking about a wimp. You're talking about a, a woman who can play ball at the highest level. And, even and she Huxley, but you didn't have the money, Oprah Winfrey, or the power Huxley had. Uh, you, know, you never win. You never yeah, exactly. win. And that's why you people don't know about Hippocrates. This should be your first choice. Exactly. There, there's your, there's your, there's your uh, indicator right there. If you think that this isn't um, something that's being orchestrated at the highest level through big money, then why don't you know about Hippocrates? Because yeah. Dr. Clement has spent his life trying to get the word out. Why hasn't he been allowed to make Hippocrates a common household name? When Hippocrates is a place that says, let's try health first. Let's try what Hippocrates actually said. Let food be thy the medicine. Father of who? The father of who? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is and, and you know, this is a place where you go and actually get nutrition and clean air and love. And why don't you know about that? Why do things have to break first? And why do you have to be desperate? There's another question to ask yourself. Why do I have to be desperate before I hear about Hippocrates or even know about desperate. it? When you're desperate, you're on your knees and you're willing to do things you'd never do before. I'll give you a story. I'm speaking in a place you'd like, Donegal, Ireland. Now, I consider the Irish one of the few Western cultures that still have a semblance of common sense. So I'm up in Donegal, a countryside, Western, Western type a part of, of Ireland, and there were 250 people in the room, and I said to them, now listen, we're going to play a game here, because they love that type of thing. And I said, imagine now here on the stage, I have a giant box that on the front has a sign that says radioactive. I said, now how many of you would volunteer to get into this radioactive box here? Not one of them, there was dead silence. 
Dead silence. You know, here somebody would razz us in the United States. No razzing. I said, now close your eyes. Close your eyes. And I put a stethoscope on. And I said, hello, I'm Dr. Clement. You have a very serious cancer. How many of you would get into my radiation box? And there was even a deeper, deader silence. Because people realized the point I was making. That things you would never consider doing, even if you were the healthiest person on the planet Earth, getting your radiation, when you're on your knees and you're stressed and you're being intimidated, you're willing to do the unreasonable. You're willing to go to a doctor with a cold or a flu that looks bad or pneumonia and have them give you an antibiotics when antibiotics do not help colds, flus, because that's a virus, not a bacteria. You're willing to go and have your child put on a cocaine drug called Ritalin because they tell you he has a disease called attention deficit. And they don't say, Mom, are you giving him enough love? Have you taken him off the sugar? Or is this teacher bringing him up since you're working 40 hours a week? Nobody tells you that that may be why little Johnny is running around in circles asking for attention. Mm. Nobody tells you that auto reflux is, yay, too much shit, and it's regurgitating. They tell you to take a purple pill. Take a purple pill, and that's going to be the resolution for you eating hot dogs with sauerkraut. <laughs> I, I used to go to see Mickey Mantle. This is not a joke. I used to go to see Mickey Mantle with my grandfather, Dan Daly, eat the hot dogs. I would see Mickey Mantle, Roger Maris, Joe Pepitone. Hot dogs were my big point. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, this is the problem we have. We're all in la-la land, and our new god is television yeah. and the computer. Yeah. And we believe everything we hear. And who do you think has the money to, to ingrain and brainwash you in this stuff? It's not people telling the truth in most cases. And I think it's going to change. You know, I think that people deep down realize that the institutions you and I were taught to believe in or have crumbled or are crumbling, that the only choice at that point is to take back your life, and if you don't, you're going to die. And so I see it. You know, when I used to go out and lecture four decades ago, it was a different group that came. It was very open-minded, liberal kind of. It's everyone that comes now. Everyone comes. Wow. I don't care who they are. The number in the United States is an example. Uh, Vegetarian Times did a study over a decade and found the most conservative people are becoming plant-based eaters quicker. How many of you know that President Clinton eats the way I do? Yeah, he, uh, that was Dr. Hyman, right? Dr. Hyman saved his life. Well, yeah. Dr. Hyman, more so Dr. Esselstyn. Esselstyn as well, huh? Wow. Esselstyn. And, you know, I, I, I said to them, you know, what do you say to Bill Clinton? Now, if you were to ask me the one American who would never have eaten right, this guy used to run Baba, 10 miles. Baba. And, yeah, he used to go to McDonald's at the end of a run. You know? <laughs> Secret Service had a, a running joke about him. You know? Oh, here we go to get the fat back again. You know? <clears throat> and so the doctor said to me, well, I, I talked to him on the phone first, and I said, you know, Bill, nobody gets the third bypass. And I said, what did he say? He said, nothing. There was dead silence. He said, I was stunned. Nothing was coming. And he said, then he finally heard him say, well, if I have to eat vegetables, I guess I will. <laughs> no matter how addicted you are, somebody's got to wake up somewhere along the way. He had a and big I hope you wake listeners up. wake up. You know, what we're saying isn't here to tickle your imagination. It's to punch you in the face. Yes. And hopefully after you've been punched in the face, you say, wait a minute, maybe I deserve that punch. And look at your life. Are you in charge, even though you think you are? Or is your addictions in charge? Is your mind corrupted by patterns of brainwashing? 
Or do you really have independent thought? Or do you go along with a choir because it feels easier to fit in? These are the challenges I give you today. Because this is, this is the challenges I had. And it's not easy to rip up your past life and say, I've got to rewrite the whole thing. And I've got to pick this up and rewrite it. But I'm going to tell you, it's the only thing that's worth doing. Because you're really a human being at that point. You're really a woman. You're really a man. You're really strong. You're really honest. And then you have that PP, that passion, that fulfillment that we've talked about three or four times during this. People who have heard me uh, earlier in this show talking with paleo people, and I was very curious about it and tried it, and um, I can tell you you're speaking to me now, Dr. Clement. And right now, the people who are listening to the show are probably doing one of two things, maybe one of three things. There's a group who are saying, these two guys are whack. They're whack jobs. And that's okay. That's their default, and they can't let it in right now. And that's just their stage of evolution. As um, I would have yeah. yeah, and that, you know, probably I'm guessing that most of them are going to be in their teens, 20s, and 30s because they probably haven't had anything breaking down yet. Most people, fortunately, you know, are still in pretty decent shape in the 20s and 30s. And so it's just easier, frankly, to keep doing what you're doing. It is easier to drive to Jack in the Box than to make your own food. That, there's no question that initially it's easier. Once you get the workflow it's easier i make food for two weeks now and you know and it, i make it all at one time but so you're either in that category of shutting all of this out you may be a conservative md like my father-in-law god bless him great guy who is there's no way he can let this in he's trying to his brain is racing right now to find all the ways that this is wrong and then there's the group who is saying, wow. They're the group like me who's saying, wow. Like the light, it's the light. Like you get it. It's, it's the, that's why I, I, I feel so indebted to you and the people who've come before you because you didn't compromise. And you, you just became, you're like a, a man on a mission. And no one is going to take you out of that mission. And because of that, you, you know, you changed my life. You helped to change and save so many lives by doing that. Um, I want to just say again, this is Dr. Brian Clement. He is the founder and co-director of the Hippocrates Health Institute in West Palm Beach. Um, what's the website for people who want to get more information? Well, I better spell it because this is a, a big uh, word, the father of Western medicine. So it's Hippocrates Inst, meaning institute, H-I-P-P, O-C-R-A-T-E-S-I-N-S-T. So it's Hippocrates Inst, H-I-P-P-O-C-R-A-T-E-S-I-N-S-T.org, O-R-G. So it's HippocratesInst.org because we're a nonprofit organization. The other thing I may want to say to you is that uh, it's really powerfully important that people basically uh, realize that why we all are here is to find our contribution. What is it we're here to give? And don't listen to all the lies. You know, you're not here to make more money and become more comfortable. Uh, you're here to, to give. And if you can just focus in on that, uh, you have to start by giving to yourself and gaining enough self-respect that you realize that then you have the power and strength and wisdom to give to other people. I, uh, you triggered a funny little uh, thought in my mind. One of my mentors, Steve Chandler, who I'll be having on the show shortly, a wonderful person. As a matter of fact, I am divinely guided that you two are supposed to get together. He's written over 30 books. He's one of the most powerful guys you'll ever meet, period. He was a, a brutal drug addict and alcoholic, 
turned his life around, and his light is shining so brightly. But he has a great uh, saying. He says, no one ever wrote a book called Great Stories of Comfort. Or <laughs> you got it. You're right. Who would read that book? Oh, comfortable. Who cares? What a wussy. They're comfortable. Legends I like of comfort. That. That's a good one. We have to get together. Why don't you get us on the show together sometime? We will absolutely. I'm going to bring him out here. Um, you know what? I, I'm going to hold the space that he and I will be at the Institute. Uh, maybe, oh, maybe he could do a workshop. Why don't we bring or him to lecture. Why don't we bring yes. him to lecture? Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Let's bring him to a lecture. We're creating a TV uh, studio here that we can live stream, as we did the other night, the autism. So if you get on the Hippocrates website and click onto the right side, you can actually see that autism and see the research community with the eight people that reverse cancer, too, by the way. And let's bring him and film it, lecture. Let's lecture together, because this is the kind of guy that I like. Just from that one statement, I get what you're saying. Oh, God. I, you know, that's why I felt intuitively guided, like when... He came into my mind when you were talking. I'm realizing that that you two, it's it's you know it's kind of like you know John Lennon meeting Paul McCartney. Like the music that will be played by you two will be crazy quality, crazy quality. He's just he's at that level. He's so you know I, I read his work and I cry and you know he's just he's he's so powerful. Um, yeah, he, he I'm holding that space. Um, you're coming to Tampa. And I'm just going to selfishly find out when that is uh, because I'll be, I'll be there on next Friday, not this Friday, not okay. today, but next Friday. I think it's the 17th. Am I correct? 18th. Okay. 18th is Friday. I'm going to actually be in Sarasota and you can get on the Hippocrates website and see exactly where. And then the next day I'm going to be at in the evening. I'm going to be at the zoo in Tampa and uh, that will be on the 19th. And I look forward to having you there. Any of you coming and visiting us here or getting on The Real Truth About Health or the Hippocrates website? I'm going to introduce you to my family at, uh, is it going to be the Lowry Park Zoo? Yes. That's the zoo there. Yeah, we, uh, we have yearly passes, by the way, to that zoo. Uh, so we will be Maybe there. Maybe I can get in on your pass. Yes. <laughs> yes. That is done. I'm, I'm making that commitment right now. And if you don't, I'm, I've got you. Do you think I, I can you. go in as your child? Do I look that young? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the vegetarian diet has done you well, but I don't know if we can get you for, for 10 or 11. <laughs> good to be with you today. Thanks Boy, was it good to be with you. God bless you and everything you're doing. And, uh, you know, one more time, it's Hippocrates Inst. Is that yeah. dot com? Yeah. H-I-P-P-O-C-R-A-T-E-S. INST.org, O-R-G. And even if you don't want to do, um, like if you didn't want to do some of the programs, I, gosh, we didn't even get into all the programs that are offered. But well, they sign, sign up for the magazine. You know, we have a magazine that goes uh, to 68 countries around the world called Say, uh, Healing Our World, and it comes out four times a year. That's free. And so you can get on the Hippocrates website and sign up for that, either hard copy or cyber, and the last one we did was a real truth about health. You can actually look at that and get up to speed on what's really happening in the true, authentic scientific community. You have a life transformation program, you have a health educator program, and ask yourself if intuitively, I'm not talking to the audience now, if intuitively it doesn't make sense that you should take green and purple and red and blue phytonutrients 
the very colors that the plants are protecting themselves with against radiation. If that doesn't intuitively make sense, go and visit and spend a day and just walk around and feel the vibe. Get a lunch there and just see. It's, it's, to me, it's all about vibe. I vibe on people. And I, I use my intuition a lot. And when you go there, you're going to, my experience, you go there, feel the vibe and check it out and just go have a beautiful experience. If nothing else, go swimming with the pools there and the, you're on the water, the, the beautiful pond and just the area is just gorgeous. What you've done with the place is remarkable. Well, we appreciate it. Thanks yeah. so much. And I love all of you. Take care of yourself and take your lives back. Thanks, Brian, very much for being with us today. I'm Jay Adams. Remember to join us in our quest to go straight at life, clear-headed and 